everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Double Date with Dateline. This episode is called Buzzkill. Katie, take us through it. Okay, get ready. Hang on, everyone, for this. This might be the pinnacle of the blood relatives episodes in terms of connectability. I think I've solved part of it. That's what I'm trying to say. More than the pig? Okay. I at least saw two big connections, connections. I feel like this episode is a piece in the puzzle. It's not one of these outlying. This is a piece to a puzzle that we've been wanting for a very long time. Since maybe we've noticed that there's something different about blood relatives. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Okay. So this episode, Buzzkill, we open on a perfect family in Connecticut with quote unquote one little problem, according to Brenda. Welcome back, Brenda. Nice to see you. Oh, you're trying to be nice to Brenda. It's a little too late if she heard last week. I'm so sorry. Did that sound nice? No, it did not. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't supposed to. It was cordial. Also, I'd like to make an official clarification for anyone confused out there. There are at least two of our listeners that thought we meant Brenda's song from The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. We're clearly saying Brenda Strong, and I've clearly mentioned Desperate Housewives and Seinfeld. But people may not remember every piece of our episodes. Also, you have made that distinction before. I have. So this is, <laughs> you have. So this is our second time. This is Brenda Strong. So people just are not paying attention. No, which is totally fine. I, if you knew all our episodes by heart, I'd, I'd be confused. I don't know if Brenda's song was like alive when Seinfeld was on. Also, for those of you who don't know, we're looking at Buzzkill from ID Network's Blood Relatives. This is the series we've been covering, if you couldn't tell by our title. It's filled with symbols and important information that may or may not solve the meaning of life. We'll find out. Rescue an intern named Chad who's being kept somewhere Mm -hmm. in a house with a bunny outside. That's what we've pieced together so far. And he has a pet pig. That's what some of us have pieced together so far. There's another one working on other puzzles. So. This episode, though, we when we open in Connecticut on the family with one little problem, we're getting a close up of a child. And we've had these episodes before where sort of everything is based around the safeguarding of one child, custody battles, etc. So we're pretty much it's clear right away that that's what we're in for. Usually when there's a child, everyone in the episode is like way too into that child. They really want the best. Well, this one makes a little more sense. I know the children are our future, but... Teach them well. Let them lead the way. This is a very important child for a reason that we come to find out very quickly. So we also see our animal, our creature of the episode. Blood Relatives has creatures. It's a beetle, some sort of beetle. Looks like a dung beetle. Did you figure it out? No. You didn't look it up. Okay. I'm not an entomologist. I don't know if that's right. Insert correct word here, which is... (laughs) like a recording of someone saying entomologist. (laughs) You're wrong. (laughs) So a dung beetle, a little black beetle, it's like as big as your thumb is the thing for the episode. And then we get very quick flashes of what's to come as we always do in the opening segment. Kimberly, what is the thing that you saw? I saw a doll's head. We see lots of dolls in various states of... Having body parts? Healthiness. Yeah, there we go various medical states. If they were alive, they would be in various states of not being alive, maybe. Correct. Injury, injured dolls. But it lets us know that this is a doll episode. And for anybody that's new, 
I I would not start with this episode of Double Date if I if you're new, but the dolls are rare, but they play a big part in Blood Relatives. That's all I can say so far. We think. We know. We know. I mean, they're so rare. Are they important or are they not important? On most shows, if something's really rare, it probably means it's not that important. On this show, it probably means it's the only thing that is important. But yeah, that could be it. That's a good point. So we are in Ledyard, Connecticut. It's kind of a fancy town. It, everything looks very rich, big houses. It's the kind of place where people leave their doors unlocked. And our family is the Carpenters. And they live on a country road outside of town. They are described as hardworking folk. They're just raising their family, trying to make a living, living in this fancy town. We see our little beetle friend crawling. We see a family picture. So we see beetle friend crawling, a family picture where all the females are redheads. So we know right away that everyone in this episode is a redhead. We also see a young girl who's dressed like a fairy princess running around the yard with a big bubble wand. So we are outside. And as we usually start outside in blood relatives. I would say 75% of the time. Right off the bat, we normally have a color. Right off the bat, I cannot tell what the color is. I would assume it's red because they're all redheads, but no one is in red save one person. Yeah. Who we'll meet in a second. But we do have something that's maybe more important than a color, which we have never seen. (laughs) Have we seen one once? I don't know. Have we seen a dollhouse? Not outside. I've never seen an outside dollhouse in real life. Ever. Who has that nice and expensive of a dollhouse outside? That's just going to get crud and dirt and bugs in it. That's like hundreds of dollars worth of doll equipment in a dollhouse. And it's just sitting outside. Did you also notice that the dollhouse has electricity? That it lights up? Okay, I don't know. That's going to get ruined in the rain. I don't like this at all. Do they bring it inside every time? every night and then bring it outside for the special child that we must like cater to. We must protect at all costs. Yeah. No, it's she's a this is an important child. So I figure I solved the puzzle on this. What it is, is the dollhouse is on a wheeled table. It's on a a card table with wheels. So they're wheeling it outside, wheeling it back in. That's what they do. Through like double doors because it's a big dollhouse. Through French doors. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what they're doing. And also, right off the bat, when I see a dollhouse, we've talked about this movie way too much in this show. And honestly, I think most of the times I've cut it out. So you may have never heard us talk about it, but we talk about Hereditary a lot. Let me just boil this down. Hereditary is a scary movie, depending on who you're talking to. Kimberly was not scared by it. I was very scared by it. You can choose for yourself to watch it based on whether you think you're more like Kimberly or more like me. (laughs) (laughs) If you took the BuzzFeed quiz, am I Kimberly or am I Katie? And you got Kimberly, you're safe to watch it. You might not be that scared. You're not going to be that scared by it. You might be okay. You might laugh. There is a lot of gross stuff in it, though. So gross warning. And then also there is a dollhouse, which makes the movie creepier only to me. I think miniatures are fascinating, but super creepy. Yeah. But I do love them and obs- and I'm obsessed with them, but I would yeah. break them with my giant hands. So I, I very much like small, tiny things. I'm a monster. Like Kimberly and Joni. So Dick Carpenter <laughs> is the patriarch of the Carpenter family. He is doing some very hard yard work with a cedar, which I have not seen in many a moon. He's sweating a lot. Oh, I thought it was a, 
uh, mower. It's not. I figured it out. I was like, why is he? Because we find out right now that his family business is landscaping. And I was like, why would he have a push handheld like mower from 1910? Good call. No, it's a cedar. It's that thing with spikes in it that you seed your lawn with. I don't know why that poor actor had to do it. Also, I know that poor actor. <laughs> you do? I do. This is your first time. This is my first time. Kimberly's known many people. Yeah, you've known a few. I one time knew somebody, but this is very exciting. Yeah, so I am familiar with Dick Carpenter. I worked with him very quickly on a Lifetime show. I felt like he did a good job, but I did notice how askew his hair was while he was seating. And I thought, well, he's really committed because his hair is a mess. I thought he did a great job. Oh, he's a sweaty mess. He's super sweaty. We don't see him in the best light at first. But we find out that Dick Carpenter's biggest soft spot is reserved for his granddaughter, Rebecca, the chosen child. We get our first in-depth close-up of the dollhouse, and we see that obviously this family is going to have little people dolls representing them in the dollhouse. And then I was like, number one, hereditary. Number two, very excited. So little Rebecca's in this little green dress. Dick's wife, Cynthia, is a great woman. She's a great mom. She's a nurse. And she is the love of Dick's life. Little girl gets like a splinter. They, you know, to prove that she's a nurse, she comes rushing in to take care of the wound that's invisible. I think the writers really dropped the ball on the play on words, or maybe it's because it was an earlier season. Because if this was season five, Brenda Strong would say, was this family about to be splintered? Mm -hmm. No. I wonder why. Brenda said nothing of the sort. There were a few times that she missed in this. A few times. All the bubbles. There's She's playing with bubbles. Burst their bubble. Is their perfect reality going to pop? So in this episode, absolutely. The dialogue was written before. Yeah. Period. So we know that for sure in this one. They're eating like some sort of an outside lunch, but turns out it's an afternoon tea. They have sort of this pretty gold rim china and all these tea cookies that the beetle is crawling on. And so now this is our third time seeing the beetle. I went ahead and named him because I assumed we'd be seeing him a lot. His name is Agador. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, we'll get to him later. So there is this strange moment with Agador on a cookie and then the camera shifts and we get that sepia tone and it looks like there's blood or Agador feces on the cookie. Question mark. I think it was supposed to be blood, but then when it's unsepia toned, it was supposed to be like jam. It didn't look like feces to me. Is this when the daughter picks up? This is when we were first meeting the like the two sisters and the oldest sister picks up the cookie, frowns at it and like puts it back down like she can see the blood slash feces. Maybe. I thought she licked it. She put it in her mouth. She licks the top of it. She licks the jam or slash blood slash insect feces. And then does not like it and puts it back down. Also, if a cookie is not a jam cookie and there's jam on it, that might not be jam. That's just a that's just a quick note for life. No, that's probably. Yeah. But also, this is why I I think Agador is not visible to them. Agador is just symbolic at this point. Sometimes it's hard. The creatures are visible. Sometimes they're not. Well, the creature in this is visible to the child. So the child has is a child. Children like the shining can see things that adults can't see. Exactly. The child can see Agador. Oh, maybe that's a whole nother layer to the creatures that we've never gotten is like certain people who have the shine. Sure. There you go. Can see the creatures, but others can't. And maybe when it goes to sepia tone, certain people who have the shine 
can see the sepia tone. Can see the bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe so. Okay. Make it. I was going to say make a note, but you don't do the notes. No, I, I don't take notes. And I don't have a free hand. So we meet the daughters of Cynthia and Dick. Beth is the oldest daughter. She's 31. She's very beautiful. She's an attorney. She's very smart. She's well accomplished. And she is pretty much the exact opposite of the younger sister, Kim, who's 28. This is not a big age gap. The whole time they play it like Kim is about 22, I have to say. Yeah. That could be Kim's attitude. I don't know. But they're both redheads. And Kim is a fun-loving, not-as-driven person, I guess is a nice way to put it. She, like, didn't accomplish as much as her older sister, basically, is what everyone tells us. Yeah. Kim is working as a checker in a grocery store, and she is moonlighting as Jessica Chastain double on movie sets because she looks a lot like Jessica Chastain to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was about to say that. Yeah, doesn't she? Yeah. So a side note at this point, I got to be in a bonnet after realizing that she looked like Jessica Chastain to see if I could be a stand-in for Tilda Swinton. So I went, I gave it a bang to find out how tall she is. She's 5'10". More importantly, I found out that her first name is Catherine. No way. Tilda? I don't know. What does it mean? I don't know what it means, but it might mean something. Someone contact Tilda. Someone contact Tilda. I wish I still worked in Hollywood and I could totally... Contact her. I would like to do that. Just saying. So anyways, wild child Kim also has a child of her own named Rebecca, who's wandering around with a bubble wand and getting splinters. She tells her family when she first gets pregnant that the father of Rebecca is a co-worker. But OK, Brenda's got one here. They wouldn't be playing house together. And we get a flash of the dollhouse of the dollhouse. OK, good one, Brenda. You're still on your game. We got that. So. The parents actually still support Kim and Rebecca, therefore. They support her emotionally and financially because Rebecca actually is sick. Or not sick, but she has a medical condition that is very, very vague when they describe it to us. Very vague. Something about it affecting her judgment and she needs constant treatment in order that it doesn't get worse and turn into a developmental disorder. Yeah. I'm not sure what that is, so I'm not going to speculate. But it's something that seems like she's going to the doctors quite a fair amount. Yeah. So your parent needs to be on it if that's the case. And Kim is not. Yeah. And so all of the carpenters around Kim are very tuned into Rebecca for a pretty good reason this time. Yeah. Like you kind of got to, you got to give it that. No, she's cute. And she's adorable. And she's. Yeah, she's cute and she's special. And she seems age appropriate. They hired a child. Yeah, she does. That is better than our AARP actress from last week. Yeah, (laughs) that girl. So, okay, new scene. Now we are getting a full on hereditary shot, which means a dollhouse shot. It's like a sweeping interior of the dollhouse. So we're getting to see the inside close up, which I got really excited about. We see the mini staircase and it's like we're moving into the living room of the dollhouse and suddenly we're in the living room of the carpenter's house, which is so hereditary. It's the whole thing. I could not believe it. Anyways. We've only just begun. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, R.I.P. So 
They are all fighting. Carpenters are fighting in the living room about Kim going out too much. Beth is apparently the old Beth is the older sister. She's a little bit bossy and a little too involved. She kind of seems like second mom to Kim. And turns out Beth and Cynthia are much more like best friends than mother daughter. So Kim must be real wild for Beth to for her to need two moms. But Mm -hmm. basically none of them think that Kim is acting right. So now we get a very, very special shot as we close out of this scene that has nothing to do with anything in the scene. Kimberly, did you catch it? Is it the oranges? <laughs> yes. There's a, okay, it's a, it, it, this is another connection that I just made. So there's a stack of oranges that are like in a pyramid shape. It's a bowl. They're in a bowl. It's a bowl, but they're stacked like a pyramid in the bowl, kind of. And Katie doesn't believe me. But- I, I think it's it's a little pyramid-esque. Anyways, there was that one episode where the color was orange and there were orange triangles all over. Mm. I think that's an homage. And in the bowl, in betwixt the oranges, is a doll's head. Dun, dun, dun. Why? Why? Because the do- clearly the little girl's a sociopath and destroys all of her dolls, rips their limbs off, and pretends they're people. And leaves the heads all over the place. So here's a weird thing. We don't see little Rebecca with a doll ever. We see her playing in her dollhouse, which if you know miniatures, you know the dolls are very small. They're like three inches high because they have to sit on the furniture and stuff. The doll heads that we're seeing are a full on baby doll like that you buy at the 99 cent store. Just like a generic baby doll head. Yeah, I don't know. It's the shape of an orange. Yeah, I don't know. Why do we care about oranges at all? Maybe the color was supposed to be orange, but maybe because red hair is kind of orange, actually, and less red. No, Katie's shaking her head. That was a bad theory. It's a theory, at least, because I have no theories. This was stolen from another blood relative set where the color was orange. Was this supposed to be in Florida? Maybe because Brenda was supposed to say, orange, you glad this isn't your family? I'm not kidding. There's no line. There's nothing tying it in. And also, when we see oranges... 99% of the time we're in Florida. Yeah, that's true. We see peaches in Georgia. We see oranges in Florida. It's very literal, blood relatives says. Also, who keeps a a bowl of oranges on their coffee table? Lots of people. My mom? No, that's kitchen table. Were they currently eating them? No, they're not currently eating them. Let me also be clear. This was a totally different time of day that we're seeing the oranges because the oranges are in the daytime and we're at nighttime in the scene that we're in. So we're just getting a <laughs> random shot inserted here. Don't let's not ask questions. The oranges are port keys from Harry Potter and they can transport you betwixt time and place. OK. Did you notice also that the doll was a redhead? Well, that makes perfect sense. And that was well done. So then we get a very quick scene switch and Kim is suddenly out in a bar. She's being heard wild self. There is the first shot we see is a small Barbie doll type doll, a little doll with legs, not just a head in just chilling in a martini glass. Taking a little dip in vodka. We all do it. I've never seen so many just symbols lined up so quick. They're like, boom, 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 boom in this. No, they literally went to, I don't know where you get that many dolls in bulk. Salvation Army. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they just scattered them anywhere they could. Just everywhere. I don't know why. In case we missed it. They're adults. Well, maybe the bar was called Doll House. The Doll House. 
I don't know. But they never told us that. So anyways. Okay. So dolls are the creature of the week. Because now we've seen like five dolls by this point. I know, but I don't think that means Agador is not important. I don't either. I really don't want it to be dolls. He is has been overshadowed thus far, though. It's a little bit like clowns being the creature of the week. Yeah. It's not great, especially baby dolls. Anyways, so during one of Kim's nights out, she meets a man named Anson Clinton, which is a really, really good name. I like that name, Anson Clinton. Yeah, but he ruins it. He does not like it because he goes by Buzz. Yeah. One word, Buzz, like Cher. And I am guessing that he is a handsome man. Yeah. Oh, the actor that played him looked like the guy in Mean Girls, the brunette to me. Okay, yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. I don't know his name. Jonathan Bennett. There we go. He looked like him to me. He's cuter, I think, than this guy. This guy, I think, is supposed to be cute. I think it was the whole Buzz thing that threw me. You don't like the name Buzz? If his name had stayed Anson, I would have found him more attractive. Oh, I kind of like Buzz, except for uh, Home Alone. Is that what you're thinking of? Of course, that's what I'm thinking. Buzz's girlfriend. Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. Woof. Anyways, Buzz falls in love with Kim very quickly, which is, of course he does, because she looks like Jessica Chastain. And he also falls for her daughter, Rebecca. It seems like he's a really great guy, except all of a sudden the music changes to sexy music and the lights change in the club and bam, Buzz has tearaway pants. (laughs) Buzz is an exotic male dancer. Is that the right term? Yeah. Great. They don't call it that. They say that the non-PC term. So we're going to say the PC term here. But if you watch the episode, be aware that they call him the word that starts with S, which is also a verb for what he is literally doing in this scene. So he is magic miking it all the way. He's doing a complete cop strip routine, complete with like aviator sunglasses. He's got a smoke machine behind him. He's completely oiled up like super grease. I was shocked. Did you notice that on the underwear. I sure did. He's got a badge on his underwear. It's like a patch that's been sewn on or something that says cop. Is that what, or was it a badge? I think it looked like it was emblazoned like a patch, like on a crest of a jacket or something. Okay, so when you go to buy like an outfit on Hollywood Boulevard, you buy like a kit, like a Halloween kit. Right, but the underwear, is that? Oh, yes. I thought he would probably just wear his own underwear or special exotic dancer underwear. No, it comes with it. That could go for any costume. No, no, it comes with it. And I would say normally that badge would be placed differently. It would not be on the side. (laughs) I gotcha. Does that make sense? So, yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Anyways, they're screaming and having a great time. We do get full breakaway pants, which is to me the best thing in life because of Job. (laughs) And then Brenda tells us that the family may not be happy with Kim hitching her wagon to a man with breakaway pants. I don't know about breakaway pants, but if you need just regular pants or like workout pants or lounge pants, please, God, let me find an affordable pair of cashmere sweatpants, otherwise known as jogging pants. I know where you can find some. Poshmark. Your favorite. Poshmark is literally shopping at a department store and designer store, a friend's amazing closet, and the best resale shop on the planet all in one. I think it's pretty safe to say that I shop there more than any other app, any other brick and mortar, any other online store, period. I am a Poshmarkess for life. And for those new to Poshmark, 
Poshmark is an app where you can buy new and gently used items and sell items from your own wardrobe, all from the comfort of your bedroom. They have incredible brands like Topshop, Free People, even higher-end workout wear, if that's something you need for your life, all the way up to high-end luxury brands like Louis Vuitton and Vivian Westwood. And the best part, it's up to 70% off retail. I have even found items that are like 90% off. For those that love to snag a bargain, get the to Poshmark. And the app is so easy to use. I will be continuing to list items from my own closet, Pretty Ugly LA. So download the app using my referral code, Pretty Ugly LA, and you'll get $10 off your first purchase from any closet you like. And even though it's incredibly easy to shop on Poshmark, almost too easy for a clothes horse like me, it was so easy to list my items for sale. I just snapped a few photos of the items I'm selling, added the details, and boom. And then when something sells, the shipping is an absolute dream. It's so easy. Poshmark sends you an email with the shipping label. You tape it to the box and drop it at the post office or even schedule a pickup from your local PO. It couldn't be easier coming from my closet to yours. I have even started adding some of my customized pieces to my pretty ugly LA closet. So if you're a newcomer and haven't experienced the sheer shopping selling extravaganza that is Poshmark, then go sign up and use the referral code pretty ugly LA when you do, and you'll get $10 off your first purchase. And remember, if you sell some of your own wardrobe on Poshmark, you get to practically shop for free with the money you make from sales. And you're doing a great thing for the environment. Buying and selling on the Poshmark app truly helps reduce, reuse, and recycle in a world of clothing waste and fast fashion. So do yourself and the planet a favor and come shop and sell with me in the world of never-ending racks of clothes online. Poshmark. Listeners of A Date with Dateline get $10 off your first purchase. Just remember to enter the invite code PRETTYUGLYLA when you sign up. That's invite code PRETTYUGLYLA for $10 off your first purchase at sign up. Thank you so much, Poshmark. Thank you for making Katie's dreams come true. I'm sorry. Thank you for making everyone's dreams come true because they're fabulous. No, that's true. Yeah. So now we're at a new scene. We are at a family dinner with Buzz and the Carpenters at a restaurant. Mom, Cynthia, and Dad Dick do not look happy about Buzz and Kim. We are told by Brenda they simply can't see past his G-string. Which is incorrect because he was not wearing a G-string. But it, she has to say G-string because of the next line. She says, they simply can't see past his G-string and it drives a wedge between them and Kim. I missed that completely. Good job, Brenda. Wow. It's real subtle. It was very good. That's good, Brenda. I like that. That might be your best, Brenda. That could be your best ever. It was very smooth. So the parents think that this whole relationship between Buzz and Kim is bad for little Rebecca, and it's making Kim an even worse mom. So they tell Kim, look, you need to straighten up, stay home, take care of your little girl with medical issues. We've had enough of this. The next scene, we're back at the Carpenter's house with Dick Carpenter clipping hedges. We've only just begun. And peering through the bushes at people, which is not creepy at all. It's absolutely fine. Definitely. I have never seen such aggressive gardening in my life. It's like he's trying to murder the flowers. Yeah. They have wronged him on a deep personal level. He starts off okay, and then it gets real personal. Real, real fast. So he's clipping hedges and peering at 
Buzz, who has pulled up to come and pick up Kim from the house, which I keep forgetting Kim lives with her parents still. So also, Kim's color is clearly red at this point. We have not seen Kim in any color other than red. She's been in red the entire time. Also, red outfit, red hair is one of my favorite looks. Just saying. Also, red lipstick she has at one point, too. Yes, she does. With the red dress and the red hair. Ooh, I love it so much. It's amazing. So Dick's giant hedge clippers are now no longer clipping and he's holding them kind of up to his face. And the shot we're getting is Dick peering through the bushes, holding these giant scissors. Like, doesn't Serial Mom, doesn't she hold scissors in the box art? Do you know what I'm talking about? That movie? The, with Kathleen Turner? Yeah, I think she's holding scissors. Yeah, that might be. Yeah, I can see that. He's got him up. Again, very aggressive stance. And then we have mom, Cynthia, behind his shoulder, just looking on. It's very foreboding. It's a very interesting image. And then you have Buzz and Kim making out in the driveway. And so then as they're making out more and more, his clipping gets more and more aggressive furiously clipping, 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 clipping. And then we see a flower fall to the ground. And then after the flower, we get that camera change, sepia tone. He gives one good clip and we see, bam, baby doll was in the bush. Head comes off. (laughs) We see him decapitate a doll, (laughs) complete with blood on the neck of the doll. That doll deserved it. Why is that doll? Why is that baby doll in a bush? I'm telling you, this little girl puts dolls everywhere. That's her disorder. That's the bad judgment? Yeah, bad judgment. She puts her baby dolls everywhere. Okay. She leaves them all around town. Like, you can't take her to the grocery store because she'll, like, open up cereal boxes and put them inside there. She just spreads those dolls all over town. I would freak out if I found it. Much like the dad was spreading seed all over the lawn. Very good. If I found a cereal box with a baby doll in it. That's not a prize you want. (laughs) I'd never eat cereal again. I'd be like, no. And with no head? No, thank you. Also, during this period, this little scene right here, we find out that we're getting interviews with Buzz's dad and Buzz's sister. So we pretty much know Buzz is either going to die or going to kill somebody. Buzz kills someone. Yeah. Also, we see these family photo lineups (laughs) of the entire family Looking great. The Carpenters all in their family photo. Buzz gets his own photo. What is Buzz wearing, Kimberly? He is has no shirt on in his framed photo, and he has a little bow tie on. Like he is a wannabe Chippendale. It's a full faux and dale. What's it called? <laughs> yeah. Chap and chap and duel. <laughs> it's sorry, trademark. They're called yeah, no, that's good. Chap, chap and duel. Chap and duel. It's because they wear chaps sometimes. Oh, that's good. The naughty cowboy. There you go. But nobody has that in their house. No, a framed photo, no shirt, along with the family and they're in their photos and their Sunday best. I'm so sorry. I take that completely back. Chippendales can be like a badge of honor. To get to be an actual Chippendale means you're like the top of your game. No, there's no shame in that. No, it's not. There would not be this family photo in their house. It would not be at the carpenter's house. Right. Because they hate him. Kim would put that up and they would consistently push it down. Like the frame would go down. Yeah, it would be this really passive aggressive, like knocking it over like a cat does. Yes. And they knock stuff off the counter. That's what would happen to that photo every time they walk by. 100%. So now we just have figured it out that 
no matter how much Kim is in love with Buzz and Buzz is in love with Kim, Dick really, really hates him. The whole family hates him, but this scene is specifically dad hates Buzz. So Kim is continuing to go out at night partying anyways with Buzz and her friends. And so we get a kind of a breakfast table scene, as it were. We see the oranges again. Which makes more sense. It's breakfast time. No baby doll head. And this is the lighting that we saw the oranges in the first time. It's. I think it was a mix-up. I think it's a film mix-up. I don't know. <laughs> so Cynthia is doing a crossword puzzle and... Brenda tells us that the carpenters are seeing red. No one's in red at the table. And so then, of course, we pan down to the crossword. Cynthia is filling it out with a red pen. That's confident. And it says <laughs> dead in all capital letters with nothing else filled out. What was the clue? I don't know. What you are if your spouse catches you cheating. Oh, that's good. Dead. Oh, I like it. I don't know. That's not really an answer, though. They're hard, right? No, they're very hard. Yeah. Would dead be an answer? It was probably like Latin is, no, they'd be like Spanish is muerte or something. I couldn't think of the Latin. Mortis, something like that. Mortis sounds good. And then you'd have to like reverse engineer it to English. Dead. Kim and Buzz, anyway, stumble through the door on this lovely breakfast with the family and they're super drunk. They've been out all night. Buzz starts actually getting upset with the family now. And the dad like is kind of being like Dick is sort of being held back by the wife, but he's yelling and they're all screaming at each other. But we find out that who Buzz really has a problem with is Beth, the older sister. I think it's maybe because she is around his age and that kind of judgment from someone your age can hurt your feelings more. Like you get more defensive about it because with a parent, you can be like, they're from an older generation. They don't understand me. But maybe he feels some sort of way about Beth feeling, you know, having a problem with him. He feels like, why are you ashamed to have me as a brother-in-law kind of thing? I don't know. I think she's very protective of the girl. Yeah. The doll obsessed girl, Rebecca. It's weird though, because we don't hear about Beth being that obsessed. We hear about Cynthia, the mom being super obsessed, but I know. Okay. But her and the mom are very tight. So keep that in mind. So a line has been drawn in the sand after this big family blow up and Kim chooses buzz over her family. Oh, do beetles make a buzz sound? Why didn't we have a cicada? Yeah. That's not a cicada. No, it's not a cicada. We should have had a cicada. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. That's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Blood relatives. So for the next few weeks, <laughs> tension builds in the carpenter's house. Dick has taken to playing with the dollhouse himself, which now we see that it has electricity and is very fancy. And Dick is like dressing the dolls. Yeah, it made me very uncomfortable. It's not great. He was like fingering the doll's foot and I did not like it. Why don't you just have him with a piece of furniture? Why is he holding a doll? Right. Just have him like be like fixing something that came unglued. He's trying to fix his family by repairing the dolls. That's very good. That's very good, Kimberly. I like that. While he's playing with the dollhouse, Kim is spending even longer stretches of time gone from the house. She's leaving little Rebecca to be cared for almost exclusively by her mom. So the family is kind of clever here. Older sister Beth gets her boss, who is a prominent attorney, to write up these papers and take legal action against Kim. And the papers are basically, it's so that they can have medical rights to Rebecca. They are able to get control of her medical care and 
any decisions surrounding the medical care specifically of Rebecca. Yeah, it's a good idea. What happens if something happens to the girl in the middle of the night? This is a fantastic idea. Kim is at the the club. What's going to happen? The weird thing is that these are not custody papers. These are very specific grandparents' rights for medical decisions, which is much less than they could be going for at this point. Mm -hmm. But Kim's a little, seems a little hot, and she gets real mad when she's presented with the document. And the parents say, look, either you're going to sign this paper or you're going to move out. And Kim says, well, I'm moving out and I'm taking the little girl with me. Really not smart. She's a fiery redhead. She lives up to the stereotype. Yeah, that's true. So what followed was a month-long custody battle of Rebecca with Kim and the parents, everyone fighting. But Kim ultimately wins in court. Mom gets full custody. And we find out that Kim has been living with Buzz's parents because Buzz doesn't make enough money to live alone. He's not a very good exotic dancer, I guess. He have debt? Is he paying off debt? And also he's a tow truck driver. We do find that out from the dad that that's what he used to do. Does he still do that? I think he does both. I think he splits his time. There we go. Okay, that makes more sense. But the town also seems kind of expensive. So maybe they just can't. It doesn't seem like a town with a lot of rentals, you know? Yeah, I guess. It's like a homeowning town. I don't know Connecticut that well. It seems fancy. There must be a, an apartment area of town. Have you been to Connecticut? No, but I would like to go. Yeah. We should go to this town. It's on the seaside, which seems nice. Oh, that was the oh, other reason yeah. it was so fancy. It's on the coast. Ooh, that's oh, lovely. I want to go. So Kim and Buzz, though, are super happy living at Buzz's parents, and they're planning on getting married. And not just that, Buzz wants to move he and Kim and Rebecca across the country. He wants to go to Arizona. And this is absolutely not acceptable to Dick and Cynthia. Arizona does not have grandparent rights in that state, which seems insane to me because there are so many grandparents in that state. <laughs> right? That's a really so good many. Point. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's like taking away grandparents' rights in Florida. Right? I don't get it. So now it's the day of the Arizona move. And we get another hereditary shot of the dollhouse with the Kim and Rebecca dollies only. I didn't really keep track of which doll is who. No, I didn't either. One is kind of dressed like Jackie Kennedy, kind of at the assassination, like pink dress. Oh, you're right. Mm. I don't think she was wearing a pillbox hat. Oh, you're totally right. That was I think that was the Kim doll. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. So. Also, why isn't Agador in the dollhouse? We get zero shots of Agador in the dollhouse. Yeah, we have not seen him in quite a while. I wrote, where is the beetle? Put him in the dollhouse. Where is the beetle? Well, the answer to that question, you're not going to like, but we're coming to it. Anyways, before this big move to Arizona, Buzz needs to take care of one last thing, and we all know what is about to happen. I'm going to talk about Thrive Makeup. I'm so excited. Yeah because it's time. So we've seen some incredible red lipstick in this episode on behalf of Kim. And I can only say she's probably using Thrive because Thrive cosmetics are awesome. They are made with clean, high-performance, skin-loving ingredients, and their clinically proven formulas not only highlight your best features, they actually improve your skin over time. And Thrive Cosmetics is vegan, 100% cruelty-free. They are Leaping Bunny and PETA certified. They never test on animals. All the more reason. Yay. Do they test on creepy dolls? Maybe. <laughs> That's fine. I'm okay with that. 
still preferable to animals. One product you have to try if you try nothing else from Thrive is their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. It is my mom's ultimate favorite, all-time favorite mascara, period. Their award-winning mascara is dermatologist-tested, ophthalmologist-tested, and it's proven to be gentle enough for sensitive eyes and safe for contact lens wearers. And removing it is so, so easy. They have this innovative tubing formula and it slides right off with just warm water and a washcloth. So you don't need to use those harsh eye makeup removers on your eyes. For people that love mascara and love one that makes your eyes look great, Thrive Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara is the best. Also, while you're there, check out their Liquid Balm Lip Treatment, which Kimberly and I have both been using. I love it. I love it the more I use it. Yeah. It's great. It gives your lips like a little bit of subtle plumping, but also really hydrates them, which Mm -hmm. you don't always get both of those things. I also use the Bright Balance 3-in-1 Cleanser every single day. It's my daily cleanser. I love it and can't be without it. When I was without it, I was so sad. sad. Yeah. Yeah. That also the Brilliant Eye Brightener is a fantastic cream to powder highlighter that you can use all over your face. You can brighten your eyes with it. You can use it as a highlight. You can use it in your Cupid's bow and can use the darker colors as an eyeshadow stick pencil, which is amazing. And it stays all day. I love it. Thrive Cosmetics has a bold mission that is truly bigger than beauty. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women thrive. That means emerging from homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, fighting cancer, all kinds of great causes. I love everything about Thrive Cosmetics. Their products are some of the best I have ever tried. And their Bigger Than Beauty mission is truly inspiring and makes me want to buy from them because they have such a good place in the world. Mm-hmm. You're going to love Thrive as much as I do. Visit thrivecosmetics.com slash date dateline for 15% off your first order. Woo. 15% off. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here. That's Thrive, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash date dateline for 15% off your first order. Thrivecosmetics.com slash date dateline. Because it's never too late to start thriving. For a cause. Oh, yeah. Hey! Okay. So, it's happened. There's been a crime. Buzz went out to do one last errand. And he never came back. 911 calls start coming in. There's been a shooter, shooting and a shooter seen on the side of a highway. And sure enough, this is our buzzkill. Police roll up on the car. The driver's door is open. The car is still running. And there is just literally trash everywhere. Like, I don't know what this place is. They keep calling it a connector. Yeah, I don't know what a connector is. We must not have them here. We definitely don't. And I, again, have not been to Connecticut yet, so don't know. But it's very dirty. There's just garbage all over the place. That's just my normal state in L.A. So I just, it would be everywhere. Not on the street. It's pretty dirty on the street, some places in L.A. My street here is kind of dirty. This is like under a bridge in L.A. Yeah, kind of. This is our version of under a bridge. But it's just out on the dirt. It's confusing. But what's more confusing are the close-up shots we get of what kind of trash is around the car. I'm wondering if our listeners can guess. First of all, we see a bloody rag. We see a bloody slash charred baby doll head. We see a Barbie body missing a head and a leg. We see a black high heel and a mirror compact. Did I miss anything? Yeah, I thought that 
it was like a bloody bill of some sort. Yes, that plays later firmly. So I just left it out. But yes, we do see a bloody bill just to remind us that he's an exotic dancer and he works for tips. Oh, there you go. It was a one or a five. Actually, it was a 20. Okay, so he gets good money in that G-string, but that's not really a G-string. That's putting a wedge between the family. (laughs) You love that one. That's putting a wedge between the family. She didn't do that. She was, that's putting a wedge between the family. She did the emphasis on a different word. She was smart. So I don't know why we have a Barbie body all of a sudden, but I'm not going to read too far into it because we're just getting started. Why is it burned? Kimberly? Why are there multiple? Why is its skin literally melting off? Why are there multiple burned ones that are different? We'll get to it. So nobody is in this running car. The door is open, but Buzz's body is actually behind the car. And there is a ton of blood, which is when we see the dollars soaked in blood. So Buzz had been shot, but he had also been run over, which is why there's so much blood. We get close-ups again right now of a charred baby doll head. And now we see a new little doll with red hair and a red dress. I wonder who that's supposed to be. That's weird. And then, of course, now we finally see Agador on the scene. But I would rather Agador not be here. No, I was excited to see him. And there's trash everywhere. That's his natural state. With the trash? Oh, he's a dung beetle. Yes, that's true. So amidst all the doll parts, police find a 38 caliber casing by the car. So we know what our gun is. They talk to witnesses at the scene and they say they actually saw a man driving away after running over the person he had shot. And we get a slow-mo shot of what appears to be a white Volvo driving through the trash out to the street. And what we see right now is a freaking baby doll head hanging from his rearview mirror with a freaking handlebar. Must Sorry, I wrote this all in caps. With a freaking handle. <laughs> I, I said out loud, oh my God, handlebar mustache. <laughs> it's all connected. Yeah. It's the doll from the ravine. He's had some additions, but I think it's the doll from the ravine. It has to be, or his cousin, because I believe the doll from the ravine had the Sharpie mustache. He did not have the face tattoo. He did not have the face tattoo. Yeah. I feel like they're listening to us and they're doing, I feel like Chad is speaking directly to me. No, these are filmed so long ago. They are filmed so long ago. You need to explain to new listeners who Chad is. He's just an intern that we've imagined that works for the show and is putting in symbols and messages to help us find him wherever he's being held. You've imagined. Stop bringing me into it. Well, we'll find you, Chad. There you go. Last of the Mohicans. I would like to say, I don't know what that shape was of the face tattoo. It was a heart. It kind of looks like a heart. It was a deflated heart. Deflated heart. Okay. But there's also sharpied on eyebrows. Sure are. And well, here's the deal. I think the eyebrows were there in the ravine. For sure, this is someone who spent time in jail. He wore glasses in the ravine. He wore, he had sharpied on glasses in the ravine. So they covered the eyebrows. So this is the cousin or cousin. I feel like this is a family of criminals, of doll criminals. No, no, no. Think about it. This episode is before. I'm being serious. This episode is before the other episode. So they took this doll 
and drew the glasses so it covered those eyebrows. Where'd the face tattoo go, Katie, if it was before? The face, okay, when I'm saying face tattoo, the face tattoo is way up on the head. The, the baby doll's bald. So the face tattoo is here. He has something on his head in the other one. So the doll in the ravine is maybe the same doll or cousins. The Barbie that was charred recalled back to me the woman that was killed yes. at the construction site. And we see the Barbie tied up. And was duct taped. And then we see the Barbie at the construction site who's also duct taped. The Barbie is tied up for no reason. So those two episodes, there's a connection. Do we know what episodes those are? No, I'll, I can figure it out. The ravine is striking, but you were totally right about the Barbie. I forgot that this Barbie has no leg and no head. Yeah, it's overkill. It's tricky. It's tricky. Anyways, I was shocked to see this baby doll head again. The specific baby doll head. I'm glad that you read it as the same one, too. I was like, what? No, I'm reading it as a cousin. You're reading it as a close match. Yeah. But not an exact match to the doll. Okay, I'm going to have to go back and look. I think they're in the same family, for sure. You know what? I think they're blood relatives of each other. Oh, (laughs) boy. There we go. She did it. She did it. So this is wild. I don't know why we're seeing so many dolls, but they are literally littering this crime scene because the cops are having a hard time figuring out what's trash and what's important. Of course they are, because there's literally three to four charred different baby doll heads. Couple have hair, couple don't. We even see the cop go down and mark one of them as evidence. And that happened in the ravine, too, which was interesting because I assumed that only we could see the dolls. No. Because they're so clearly like symbolic and they're not really at the crime scene. Like the killer didn't leave them by the body or maybe they did. Because if the cops and the forensic people can see them, too, that means the killer scattered doll heads all over the victims in multiple episodes. Is the, Were the doll heads there as part of the trash or did the doll heads just fall out of the car when the door opened? Maybe Buzz pulls up, gets out of the car. Filled with dolls. Because the little girl, who he is now the stepfather of. Oh, has all these charred baby doll heads. Obsessively puts weird baby doll pieces all over. And now she's burning them? So she, he opens the door and they go everywhere. I don't Or know. the killer is putting them there as a red herring to make the, us think that, or make the police think that the little girl killed them. I don't know. Just to freak the police out, maybe. I don't. It's very strange. Yeah. You know what? That one with the duct tape, I believe the killer did the duct tape after they were dead just to make it look like some like weird serial killer was in town. They did. You're right. Oh, boy. I don't. Doesn't make it. This is all. Wow. So many. I don't even know what to think. It's so many dolls. Okay. It's like if you went to American Girl doll store but you spent $5,000 and then dismembered them all. I'm sorry. No, no. This is nothing like you went to the American Girl doll store because those dolls are nice dolls. Yeah, and big. These dolls are like, I'm telling you, they are the 99 cent store only dolls. You go into that kid's section and you're going to see that one baby doll and it's not 99 cents. It's going to be $5.99, but it's in a little package. I had a Gem in the Holograms doll 
that was kind of like a Barbie, but way jankier. Like you could see all the, the drilled holes in the head where the hair comes out of. That's called a, that's called a schmarby. That's kind of what these are like. And she's sad. Yeah, that's kind of what those were like. Let her live her life. She's just trying to get through the night. So <laughs> the police, the police think that this is not a random shooting, though, even with all the red herring baby dolls. It's a targeted attack based on the way he was shot, that he was shot five times and like the proximity of the killer to him. They, it looks like a hit, basically. Five times, five family members, mom, dad, sister, sister, daughter. I don't know if that means anything. I'm just trying to make it make sense. Okay. So detectives go and deliver the news to Kim and she is a complete cold fish. She has virtually no emotion. She's not upset. She sort of is very calm and talks to the officers, which they think is very suspicious, of course. So under questioning, she tells the police that Buzz was supposed to meet somebody about buying the tow truck that he owned. They were trying to sell the tow truck to finance their Arizona move. She told the cops that her family had been very against her marriage to Buzz, their move to Arizona, and that they had been in a really nasty custody case. Also, she told them specifically that Dick, the dad, seemed to hate Buzz the most. So we get a shot of Dick right now in a dark red button down. So this is the first time that we see Dick in red. And we get a sweeping hereditary dollhouse shot with one bedroom in the dollhouse now covered with blood spatter. That's not creepy at all. So the cops head down to the carpenter's house where they are served afternoon tea outside because the cops would be really freaked out of the dollhouse inside. So (laughs) seems to have taken over the living room. So also, is it strange that they're getting tea? I don't, the tea and the dollhouse. And scones. It's the tea and the dollhouse together. Like it's that situation that makes me, I feel weird about it. Yeah. It feels like a little tea party with the cops because there's one of those fancy trays with the scones on it. Yeah, a cake platter. It's a serving platter with the double layers. Yeah, it's something that you, I have bought one three times in my life, always for a baby shower or a bridal shower. And then I always end up giving them to someone because I don't entertain. So it's like the thing you buy at Ross. I didn't even know what it was called. You know, it, but you know if you needed one. It's like that big jug that serves the punch, the glass jug. Do you know what I'm talking about with the nozzle on the bottom? You only buy those for parties. I have two of those. Yeah. Do you buy them for parties? No, I buy them so I could make iced tea. Or you put it outside, you make sun tea. Then you bring it inside. So when they're having tea at the Carpenters, Dick admits that he hated Buzz, but he has an alibi. He was with his wife the night of the or the day of the murder, who also hated Buzz. So that's a really good alibi. Beth, the oldest sister, says she was at work at the time of the murder. So that's it. They don't know who did it. They don't know anything about it. They're totally not suspicious at all, except they're completely suspicious because they basically give the cops zero information. So now we go to the precinct for the first time. This episode blew my mind. Could just tell just tell them. So on the precinct, the detective's desk, There's this, it's like a head that looks like a medical head, almost like a ceramic head, but like, I feel like a sinus doctor, like an ear, nose and throat doctor would have this sort of head. 
it seems like the cow that's cut up where it shows the different parts of the meat. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? But the head is cut up in the different parts of the personality, like hypothalamus. Okay, so that, yeah, that makes sense. That could be it too. And then there's also all of these, they look like ice cubes, but they're not ice cubes, but- They're resin. They're clear resin cubes in all different shapes and sizes with dead bugs in them. So like- We used to have those gag ice cubes that had bugs in them. A fly in it. A fly in it. It looks like those, but just stacks on stacks on stacks stacks of them on the detective's desk. I would say if you've ever been on a road trip in like the American Southwest and you're going through one of those places that has a massive gift shop that's attached to a gas station, you would find these paperweights there. They're heavy resin blocks with a beetle inside. And sometimes they're... Sometimes they sell them at oddities and curiosity shops. I've seen many, many in my time. They also make them into necklaces. They make them into earrings, but it's a bug trapped in resin. And it'll be like a rhinoceros beetle or like beetles that you can't find that often. What's weird is that they have them all stacked like a block, but they're individual paperweights. But they have them just, why? Well, in some shots, there's one that's loose by itself. But then in some shots, they're back together. So one has, is Agador dead? And is he in that one? Or, but then we see him later and he's alive. And I was very happy. And then some, it's the little stacks stacked up next to each other, like ice cube trays. Yeah. So that was my news for you. This is when I realized that the reason we're not seeing Agador very much. Is because he's in the resin. He's been Han Soloed. Yeah. Yeah. He's frozen in resin. I know. That doesn't turn out to be true. That's also a red herring. So don't fall for it. But this is how we're getting our bug without actually getting a bug. So they're really trying to push the bug thing home, even though we have the dollhouse and the dolls. Yeah. Why are there not dolls on dolls on dolls? We don't need it. You don't need it, but it's fine. So the police cannot find a real suspect outside the Carpenter family. They contacted all of Buzz's friends and co-workers, associates, and there's nobody. So they go back to the Carpenter house to interview the family again. And lo and behold, Dick is there playing in the dollhouse. Again, I'm worried about Dick. I don't think that child should be near Dick. Mm -mm. I'm concerned. And the whole family is sitting in the living room. And I mean the whole family, including Kim and Rebecca, ostracized Kim Mm -hmm. and Rebecca. So, wow. Now they all get along now that Buzz is out of the way. So that's incredibly suspicious. However, even though they are the main suspects in this murder, the investigation stalls after two months. There's no proof to get the family. And so without any more information, they can't go anywhere. It's also at this point that we see that all the dolls lined up in the dollhouse like suspects. And we see that daddy doll has a rifle. (laughs) Who in props had to make the miniature rifle? I don't. I've never seen a rifle at a miniature shop, and I've been to quite a few. I've basically been to any miniature shop I've ever seen I've been inside. <laughs> There's not that many. <laughs> so I've also been in almost every shell shop that I've seen. I really like shells, too. I like to look at them. What? Yeah, I like shells. I think they look neat. It's like, I don't even know you. Who are you? You're drinking ginger ale, too? I don't even know you anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm on ginger ale kick. You, I'm trying to not drink as many energy drinks, and ginger ale kind of has an energy drink taste to it. Does that explain it? Yeah. There we go. So this is very exciting because now the police get, we find out that the murder is several layers deep, and this is when the episode really kicked off, to me anyways. This is so much different than I thought this was going to turn out. 
Was this different for you? Yeah, except that this description of the episode says a complex plot. And I was like, oh, this better be complex. Don't be saying it's complex ID if it's not going to be complex. And it is complex, actually. Okay, so everybody get your ginger ale and get ready. This is where the complexity starts. So also, we're not sponsored by ginger ale. But could we be? So the police get a tip from a woman who says that her boyfriend had been asked to commit a murder for hire at the exact same time and location that Buzz was murdered. But her boyfriend does not go through with the hit. And the man that approached her boyfriend, the woman tells the police, she says, she gives him up, she says who it was. I don't, there must be more to that story of this phone call. Doesn't matter. The man who's tried to set up the hit with her boyfriend was a guy called Mark Dupree. Mark Dupree was very well known to the police. He is a drug dealer. And we are told very quickly that he is a Satan worshiper. <coughs> Hereditary. Yeah. <laughs> if you've seen Hereditary, you know what I'm talking about. Slash drug dealer. He's also a drug dealer. Don't sell him short. I said drug dealer first. Oh, sorry. It's okay. Drug dealer slash Satan worshiper, we're told by a couple people. We don't get any Satan imagery. Are the charred baby doll heads? No. And we've seen Satan imagery in many other blood relatives where it had nothing to do with Satan. We definitely. Masks. Yeah, really, man. So why don't we have it now when it actually does have something to do with Satan? There's... No rhyme or reason. They had too many props already. Like the props trailer was just overflowing at this point. With dolls. You opened the door to the props trailer. Just dolls just came out. Just doll heads. Just a cascade of dolls with various parts missing. So Mark Dupree is basically an all around trash bag human being who seems just right for this kind of crime. The cops start tailing Mark Dupree to try to figure out who hired him to kill Buzz. So Like Mark is the middleman in this. Mark's trying to hire it out to somebody else, but Mark had to be hired by someone. So it's at this point at 30 minutes and 34 seconds in that we see the most disappointing murder board that I've ever seen in any episode of any true crime show in my entire life. And we're shown it about 50 times. Did you see it? Yeah. So they have a photo of Buzz and then they... It says murdered next to it. I can't. They put a photo of Mark up and then they write killer. <laughs> Just there's not a lot of subtlety going on. Not a lot of complexities on that murder board. And it's like taped to a whiteboard. And then they were, it says hired. And then it gets real good. Yeah. The hired. That part got me too. Yes. But for right now, all we have is murdered. And killer. Also, it's two pictures and like the handwriting. Something is wrong with the E. The E is like if you drew a crown on like you were drawing a king stick figure and you wanted to make it known that he was a king, you would draw a little three pointed crown and then turn that on its side. And that's what the E's look like that this detective is writing. And I didn't know if that was a character choice or if that's the way he draws his E's. Was he cast specifically because that's how he draws his E's? So here's what happens here. And it might be illegal. I think they have, sorry, terrible. I think they have, there needed to be more emails about the writing on this board. (laughs) I think it's somebody either writing with their non-dominant hand Mm -hmm. because it's that bad. Or Mm -hmm. what happens when you're writing on a a whiteboard and you're left-handed, you're smudging as you go along. 
Does that make sense? Think about how you're writing on a white, but if you're writing with your left hand and then sure enough, in about 10 minutes, we see the guy go up with his left hand and you're like, oh, that's why the writing looks not good. That doesn't really explain why the E has those three pronged approach to it. I, I have it has to do with the smudging. No, you see him draw the E unsmudged. And it's like that. But I think if he drew it another way, it would smudge. Maybe he thinks that in his head or that's just how he makes his E's. Remember like when you're trying to write your A's in a cool way when you're like in sixth grade? I do remember that. But he is 50 years old. This murder board is unexcusable all around. I really, <laughs> I can't. I, where is props? I don't, I don't know what's going on. I'm picturing a 50-year-old detective who is bored like, hey, Tony, I'm going to try drawing my ease in a really cool new way. And maybe it'll make Jessica like me. So I'm going to practice on my trapper keeper, which is what I did with my A's in junior high. So, yeah. yeah. Do you think that the chief came in and saw this murder board and is like, do better? Do better. This looks like a child. Be better or you're all fired. Yeah. What are you guys doing with your time? And they're like, well, we've been spending all day on this. This is freaking Lingenberg, Londonshoot, what's the Lederhosen, Connecticut. Do better. I couldn't remember the name of the town. It just has a weird name and starts with an L. Lardale? Lardale. Lardale. Lardale? That can't be right. That can't be right. We both missed it. Okay, so the cops don't need to tail Mark Dupree for very long because Mark Dupree is like the most a like he's the typical bragging criminal who he does a hit and he has to tell everyone in town that he did the crime. There's nothing wrong with being proud of your work. Yeah, I would say this is bad. Also, your work, you didn't do a good job. This wasn't a clean hit. Well, he's dead. That was the job. Baby dolls, baby dolls everywhere. You have a baby doll hanging from your rear view mirror and you leave 45 baby doll heads at the crime scene? Where are they coming first, Mark Dupree? To the guy with the baby doll hanging in his rear view mirror. Maybe the whole town is obsessed with baby dolls and those hanging from the rear view mirror are a dime a dozen. Maybe. Maybe it's a factory there on the sea in Connecticut. (laughs) So baby doll factory on the sea in Connecticut. So anyways, they get a search warrant. They track him down. They have enough to arrest him. They find a gun in his house that matches the type of the bullet casing that was at the crime scene. Mark confesses that he did the crime, but he was hired to do the crime. So now we're going another layer deep. It's getting a little more wild. And he says the person that hired him was a man named Heyman Klein. Sorry, a lawyer named Heyman Klein. Heyman Klein is a new character. He is a wealthy, prominent attorney and father of five. He's also an indoor smoker of cigars, and he's approximately 75 to 80 years old based on the actor. <laughs> is that, did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. So he's smoking a thousand. So he, there's so much smoke in his office. There's smoke from the coffee. There's smoke from the cigar. I don't know. He looks like Matthew and Anne of Green Gables. It's confusing. He's very old, right? He's older. No, no, he's very old. But really, they could have put any, they could have put like the little girl who plays Rebecca in that chair because there's so much smoke. It's hard to see him. Yeah, it's really. And he's doing that thing with his mouth. He goes like the caterpillar in Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. 
also like uh, he's 12 and he's just learned how to smoke and he's trying to show off for his girlfriend. Yeah, it's strange. So apparently also Heyman Klein is a bit of an elderly partier. He's known for going to these really wild parties, eyes wide shut parties, maybe. Maybe. Secret society called the dollhouse. Yeah. Parties. Yeah. Or the beetle. Or the beetle. Yeah. And anyways, he buys his he buys his cocaine from Mark Dupree. But where is the connection to Buzz? So we have the connection between Heyman and Mark Dupree. Mark Dupree is Heyman's drug dealer. Was Buzz a dancer at the exclusive parties? Did Buzz see too much? Will I stop asking so many questions? I will if they stop showing the awful murder board because we're showing <laughs> it again right now. Was this the time when it said the hit? It says hired. Yeah. And then it says C-O-N-N-C-O-N-N dot connection. So I was like, Connecticut connection? Is that what that's supposed to be? So instead of the abbreviation. But then later it says C-O-N dot connection. They took away one of the ends because clearly the intern, maybe Chad, cleared away the board and they were not done with the board. So they had to recreate the murder board. And then they wrote C-O-N and then left off the second N. So I don't know what I, I don't know what C-O-N-N means besides Connecticut. Can I also I, I can I suggest that maybe they're writing some of the letters in lowercase and some in uppercase. And this is the problem we're having. I write like that if I'm having a really bad day. Yeah, maybe upper and lower. Oh, boy, that's not good. They're struggling with this case. So. Heyman Klein gets tipped off that the police are looking for him and he hightails it. But the police look around his office and find finally the connection to the Carpenters. They find out that Beth Carpenter, older sister, is an associate in Heyman Klein's law practice. So in case you're not following that, Mark Dupree shot Buzz. But Mark Dupree was hired to shoot Buzz by Heyman Klein who has a law firm where Beth Carpenter is an associate. Dun, 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 that's it. So not only that, Heyman Klein is the actual attorney who drafted all those legal papers that we talked about earlier. Not only that, Beth and Heyman Klein were in a super sexy affair and he was actually paying for her apartment and her car. Kay Scandalique. Despite being married. Yeah. Yeah. And five children. Oh, no, he's a real winner. And being 80 years old. Yeah, that we're seeing. OK, we're seeing a lot in his office. Now Beth is in the office and it's a lot of canoodling between the two of them, like a, a lot. She kind of just like gets really close to his ear. And it's a lot of hands. Yeah, hands clasping. It's not sexy. No, no not with all that smoke. Anyways, so he's on the run. Now she goes on the run. She's in the wind. She disappears and the cops can't find her. So it's basically a race for the cops to find them both. So Herman Klein is tracked down to California after a 45-day manhunt. He's in California and he is totally out of fugitive money. He is down to completely spare change. He's apparently living in his car when they find him. But he's still wearing like a three-piece suit. I don't think he ever changed clothes. I think he just went on like a <laughs> cocaine run and it's just like... Johnny definite across the country. I would want comfier clothes if I was going on the lam. You're not a high powered attorney, though. No, it's true. They just live in those three piece suits. I think those cuts are 
They're so comfortable. They spent so much money on them. So, and he and at the last minute, he could just sell it, you know, a resale store with, or maybe as the Poshmark app. <laughs> Don't buy suits on Poshmark from men with no address. Actually, <laughs> you, you can't do that. You have to have an address to go on Poshmark. So he decides, Heyman is taken in and he decides to cut a deal with detectives. He says that he was basically in a cocaine and lust fog. <laughs> the lust was for Beth. And it was all down to this that he decided to put this horrific murder plan in motion. He said that he would do whatever Beth told him to do, whatever she wanted. And what she wanted most was for her parents to have full custody of little Rebecca. It's never about Beth getting full custody. Yeah. It's the mom. It's about Cynthia getting full custody, which is bizarre. Yeah. Beth has some grudge against her sister. Yeah, Beth really does not like him. Also, Beth has been portraying herself as this has everything all together, picture perfect lawyer sister when she's diddling her 80 year old boss. This is why you can never judge because you just don't know. Yeah. Everybody's got something or sometimes five or six somethings. So Beth asks Heyman one day if he knows any hitmen and Heyman says, sure do. My Coke dealer. He's a real swell guy. And they all three, Mark Dupree, Heyman, Klein, and Beth Carpenter planned this murder together. Day of the murder, Dupree calls on this ad that Buzz had placed in the paper to sell his tow truck. Mark Dupree calls and sets up a meeting with him. And Buzz shows up to this really weird highway underpass side road thing. And Buzz is meeting Mark Dupree there because he thinks they're driving together to go and look at the tow truck. But the minute basically Buzz gets out of his car, Dupree shoots him dead and drives over his body just in the haste to get away, not to hide evidence, just because he's probably on coke. I don't know. So Beth is finally arrested overseas. And she's extradited to Connecticut to face charges. She is found guilty given life in prison. Heyman who is significantly younger than the actor portraying him, is given 35 years in prison, and Mark Dupree, the shooter, is given 45 years. So they all get a lot. Also, did Beth have herpes in her mugshot? No, I think she just got a, no. I, I have a feeling she went down with a fight. <laughs> Maybe. That's the feeling I got. Also, why is she smiling in her mugshot? It's a little smile, isn't it? I think people sometimes just do it by habit. Yeah, maybe. You're taking a picture. We've seen some weird ones before. So, but the rest of the carpenter, by the way, were you shocked at how young Heyman was compared to how old the man is playing him in the episode? I'm surprised he didn't have a cigar in his mugshot. Did you, no, you didn't think he was younger? I just didn't think he was as old as you thought he was. I thought that the man who was actually Heyman was like 20 years younger. I couldn't tell. You couldn't? Okay. It just was very surprising to me that they couldn't find someone that was like more in his like 50s, you know, than in his 70s. But I don't know. Maybe they all refused to smoke cigars on camera. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. This man to me looked exactly like the grandpa in Christmas Vacation. (laughs) Do you remember who I'm talking about with the woman who wraps up the cat? Yeah, he's not that old at all. To me, in my mind, that's what they look like. I think that there's a happy medium here. You thought they were like kind of close to the same age. I thought they were vastly apart, which leads me to believe that the answer is somewhere in the middle. 
That's usually what happens. That yeah. seems about right. So really, it's not worth mentioning at all. But the rest of the Carpenter family is ruled out. The only person that gets prison time is Beth. I was shocked. Yeah, I don't buy that at all. No, I think Kim was involved. Because they're like, well, the mom and dad didn't do it because they had alibis. No one's saying they were the actual shooters. It doesn't matter if they had alibis. And you're telling me that Kim didn't know? Why was she so calm when the police told her? Although, why did she have to kill him? Couldn't she have just like left him? Why did she even marry him? I didn't even... There was no life insurance, right? She could have just taken her daughter back. Yeah, there. I don't know why she would kill him, but she was so calm. And then she immediately moved back in with her family and was all happy with them when she had to have known they had something to do with it if he was murdered. I don't, that whole thing is shady. I think they all knew something. And is she still, did she still live with them after Beth was arrested? Like after she found out Beth was involved? I think so. I bet the family all still talks to her. Maybe they were comfortable. Well, it's like that that lady says, the one interviewee says they sacrificed their high achieving lawyer daughter for the grandchild because basically they all were like, let's put it all on Beth, even though I I think they all had something to do with it. Let's put it all on Beth. She goes away, even though she was our big shining lawyer. And then we get the granddaughter. And Kim, who caused all this trouble by dating Butch Buzz anyways, She's fine. She gets no repercussions. It's a strange story. Again, with all blood relatives, I think there's a lot more to it than we're hearing. But we enjoy the baby dolls. We enjoy the incredible symbols. And Brenda Strong takes us out with people in the town of Ledyard know that even when family comes knocking, a devil could be lurking on your doorstep. So that's our other reference to the Satan worshiping drug dealer. I guess. That's it. That's all we get. But the devil did not come knocking. The devil was inside the house the whole time. The call is coming from inside the house. No, but Mark Dupree did the actual shooting, I guess, was the thought. No, but Buzz is the one who came knocking, really, and tried to invade the family. But he turned out not to be the devil. It makes no sense and should have gone in a different episode, which is... Are you new here? We, th- <laughs> I think it's another case of they cut up all the pieces, all the script into a million pieces, shook them up into a bowl like a key party, dumped them out, and then played mix and match. Absolutely. Because it does not make sense. <laughs> Without a doubt. That is exactly what happened. Oh, boy. That's another episode of Blood Relatives. It's a doozy, guys. It's all... Baby dolls, dollhouses, murder boards, bugs. I don't know when we see Agador again. I think we see him at the very, very end, but I didn't mark it down. I can't remember now. I think he's still alive. He's for sure still alive, though. No, we see him after the resin. I think we see him at the very, very end, but not at the last line, which is when we should really see the animal from the episode. But really, we see... Here's the weird thing. I think the house that we saw in the beginning is different than the house they show at the end. But that's another story. Yeah, that also could totally possibly happen. I really honestly think that they know people aren't paying that close of attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That checks out. It's re- it's really weird. Yeah. So we've had a lot of discoveries this episode. Let us know what you think. Yes. Thank you for joining us. And be, be your, your own, own beetle. beetle. There we go. Bye, everybody. Bye. Stay fresh, doll heads.